0: The first lesson for today is from Isaiah chapter 44. Last week we were in Isaiah as well, and uh, this section of scripture again is so pointed and valuable for helping us identify the source of the wisdom and strength that we need in life. You should go through the rest of this week. You should read through Isaiah 40 to 48. Those section, that little section, um, Isaiah deals with idols in comparison to God in a number of different ways as he seeks to kind of whoop, um, turn people's eyes away from what's false and and woo people back to what God alone can uniquely do and give and provide uh, God as the only God. And you'll hear language like that, um, both against idols and for God, in this section from Isaiah 44. This will be the basis for our sermon today. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol, which can profit nothing? People who do that will be put to shame. Such craftsmen are only human beings. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and shame. The word of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, I can still remember about Christmas and Easter time as part of the family celebration as I was growing up. i one of the, one of three kids. And, um, my mom would take the time to make arrangements for a scavenger hunt. And this was like the scavenger hunt to, I don't know, something fun to the, you know, pre-Christmas Present opening or something, or a scavenger hunt to find your Easter egg basket. I—that's sort of vague. The outcome, but the joy was so much in the scavenger hunt. You didn't always remember. I can't remember what we did at the end, but it was—it was a—it was, was a blast. And she would often use um, Bible passages that would be written out on like slits of paper, and you'd have to find them in places in the house or maybe even um, outside. For a while, we lived on about three acres of land, and so you'd have this clue, and you'd be looking for the next one and the next one you know and this was a this is just a lot of fun and I think my mom had probably the most fun as she watched us, you know, kind of hunting around, getting something wrong or whatever. And um, there would be this opportunity where if we got stuck, we could go back and kind of get help with the clue, you know. So she could tailor this to the four-year-old or the seven-year-old, the ten-year-old, you know, in the house and, and help us get to reach the goal. So there she was in the family room in her rocking chair, you know, and she's, she was a rocker. She still is. And she'd just sit back and she'd have her clipboard, and math, the masterboard in her hands. And she was, you know, the answer, the answer giver and the great helper, right? You know, and the guide for the scavenger hunt. I don't know if, if that matters to you so much, but the point is that it's, it's the same way we live our lives. It's going out there in the world can be a complete mystery. As People figure out their own path for themselves. They try to find a purpose for themselves. They try to identify what makes them feel worthy. They try to overcome obstacles and things that gave me a, a you know, a, a rough start at life because this happened when I was and this happened when I was and this happened to me. And they're all trying to figure out their meaning. What am I doing here and where am I going? And meanwhile there is the Great One in his rocker, with his scripture, he doesn't relish in the fact that people would be lost and clueless about how to get to the end. He loves the idea of seeing someone come to the door of the room and ask and let him speak. This is the heart of our God, the rocker. Our God, the rock for our lives and that's that's what's in god's mouth when he speaks to us like no one else can speak and you have to appreciate the way that it's one thing for god to open his mouth and it's another thing to open his mouth with so much he's eager and ready to give And that comes from a God who could look at you and say, You have been spending so much time filling your life with sufficiency and answers and purpose that you are seeking in all the other rooms and in all the other places and not finding it in my word. He could really be jaded about this. He could really be that jilted lover that never wants to see you ever again. But instead, if you just turn, when you turn and come into the room. He is there, ready, waiting, and eager to speak. This is what he does through his prophets. It's what he does through his prophets. So how do we learn from him in Isaiah 44 today? It says, this is what the Lord says. And we're about to hear the answer giver open his mouth. And it's like he can't even start solving the riddles of life for you without coming up alongside of you and pointing out what a wonderful God he is. And so you've got, what is the first thing that that happens? There's a hyphen. There's a little parenthesis that says, this is your Lord. Who is he again? Israel's king and redeemer, the Lord Almighty. He just has to tell you that story. Remind you of that history you have. How did you get a king in your life? How did you? Boy, how blessed. You have a king over all things, time and space, in your life? What? How did you get such a king in your life? Israel's king. Do you see the little apostrophe S? Yes. Like he, he belongs to this nation. You know, he said, You're mine. How did they get such a king? How did you get such a Abraham, what was it that God would say, get up and go? I'm going to make a nation out of you and bless you. What was it that that would say, come to this water? Was it any human invention, a human idea? I know what we should do at church. We should splash a couple drops of water on our babies. That would be good for them. We didn't come up with this, did we? Where did it come from? It was the promise and the word and the gospel of a giving God who gave it to you. He kinged you first, and he is king over all for your sake. It's such a beautiful thing. Or the word redeemer. What comes to mind that you would be so purchased? That redeemer is, is used in the context of taking the Israelites out of their slavery. Like, I bought you at expense to myself. I paid the price, and I brought you out of a place where you were stuck. Because that's always been embedded in the, you know, the slavery pit, some sort of indebtedness, some, like, indentured servant, you know, paying off a debt through your slavery. And God is saying, I'm paying, I'm paying you off, I set you free, I pay the price, you don't pay anything. In fact, you come up with all the spoils of Egypt, right? And He brings us, I'm your Redeemer. I'm the one that did that for you. Remember that? Do you remember that? I'm the one that did that for you. I'm the one that did this for you. I'm the one that gave this and says this to you. Is there anybody like me? The Lord Almighty? Is there anybody, do you have any, anything? Any competitors? Any like valid competitors who've done that much for you in life? Does your money talk to you that way? Does your four hundred one K fill in that blank? Does anything else patch the holes like God does? Anything else conquer and speak? I know you're all like, yeah, we get it, Pastor. I see where you're going. That's where God is going. He says, I'm the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. You've heard statements like that before. But listen to them freshly right now. In a world where you are troubled and afraid and bothered, at a time when you are not yourself, more often than you feel like you are yourself. In a, in a life filled with its anxieties and its pressures that are squeezing harder than ever on on your strength and your perseverance and making you carry loads you haven't carried in a while, God says, I'm the first and I am the last. Do you know what that means? It means everybody else is created and begotten, right? But nobody else has, nobody begot God. Nobody started God. God isn't an invention of mankind. He's not just another book of philosophy that belongs in that section of the library. Is he? I am the first he says. Do you know what that means? I am the first. I am the one who knows what life is about because I made it. I'm the one who follows the little path and and paints it down the road so you know where where it leads and can get to the destination. I'm the one who speaks to the past and to the future. Did you hear he says that? He says, um, anybody like me? Can anybody go back? and tell the history of the world back to how I founded my ancient people, can you please like set it out? And this is the way God governed the earth. And this is the way he ruled peoples and brought up this nation for the sake of that, and used that nation for the sake of this, and he's guiding all peoples for the sake of his word and the glory of his own name. Anybody else got that kind of speech to give today? Anybody go else and tell me about Adam and Eve Tell me that we're not just an equal plane of life as the trees. How do you know? How do you know? Anybody tell that story? Plant kingdom, animal kingdom, crown of creation, anybody? Anybody got that one? Anybody have anything past death that you can say with certainty? Anybody like that? You're going to foretell the future? Anybody going to lay out what your next years are like? Because I do that. I do that in my word. And give you that sweet horizon of your home that awaits you at the end. I don't I don't leave you a mystery. You come back to the rock and get angered. Is anybody else gonna do this? Let them foretell. Let them let them foretell if they can, let them tell the history if they can, but they, they can't. God sitting in his rocker and he in his word, he sit at his feet. He'll lay it all out for you. He lays it all out for you. Nothing else can do that in your life. So he says, Don't tremble and do not be afraid. The Israelites had heard of the Babylonian captivity. They had heard of the Babylonian people and they knew that the time was coming, according to Isaiah, where they were going to be taken away. But they were also to hear, right? that even though Babylonians were really strong and powerful, that doesn't mean that their gods meant anything. It's kind of like the fear and the terror they might have in their hearts for the Babylonians would be like your fear and terror at LeBron James going one-on-one. And if LeBron James in his locker, if he had a little altar there to whatever deity that he worshipped in his, you know, private life, you might say, I want to know who he worships because he's at the top of his game and you know, Mia, right, you want to get, or you Giannis. You know, if Giannis had false god in his locker, he'd be like, well, that seems worthy and valuable. So the fear of these idols, the fear of these gods may not jive with our culture today because we don't do this in our locker rooms. Well, I guess I don't know what's going on at Disneyland right now. But um, that is still something that our hearts do. It's still something where we look around and we get afraid, trembling over things that we feel we can't control. And we look for the people who have it put together and we make idols out of them. And we look at the philosophy and the wisdom of the world and the, the purpose of this life, and we say, those people who are living it up, that is really living. Who cares about suffering in the way of the cross? We need vacations. We need five o'clock happy hours. And I need to like relax and, and, and blend in. This is the kind of way that we make an idol of something that's going to satisfy me. Something that's going to give back. And every single time they overpromise, every time you're doing it, you're giving it a mouth to pleasure, you're giving a mouth to money, you're giving a mouth to popularity, you're giving it eyes and ears and legs as if it's a thing. Nobody carving an idol in wood actually thinks that that's the idol. But it's that representation that signifies a a relationship I have with this deity. It brings me, brings me meaning. See how it's just a shot in the dark as people are trying to get something back for themselves. But you know what Isaiah says? He doesn't say that much about the idols themselves, does he? He talks about the idol makers. Those who make idols, he says, are nothing. Do you hear the self-reflection we can do in that line? If you're giving yourself to something, if you're saying, this is what I need to do to be worthy to myself, this is what I need to have to have a meaningful life, you're making an idol, and he doesn't say not just that that idol is worthless. Those who make them are worthless. You know what he says later? All who create them. Let me let me say it word for word. He says, um, "Such craftsmen." are only human beings. And I read that and I thought, wait, that's my class. That's my level. I'm a human being. You you just like dissed them by calling them human and I'm a human. Anything that I would make, do you see what this is? Anything that you make out of that wallet and out of that purse, anything that you make this life in your mind that I think this is what is really good to do and the purpose that I have, any self-purpose and self-righteousness and self-determinated thing, any of that is really just you. It's just human. It's just human. I'm just kind of in a different room, and I'm all on my own, and I'm just doing a human thing. You see how limited that is? And it's not coming back into the family room and seeing the twinkle in my mother's eye and saying, I know how to get you where you need to go. Come on, ask me questions, and I'll give you answers, and I'll give you help. God is the only one who does that. This is a chance for us to look at what we have made. And why am I so frenzied? Why am I so frazzled? Why am I out of place? Uh, maybe I'm putting the wrong things in my heart. Maybe I'm fashioning a life for me that isn't. How do I get to a place of thanksgiving and contentment? How do I sing a song of a God who loves me? Oh, isn't it nice to turn to Isaiah 44 and say, "Thus says the Lord: Your, your King, your Redeemer." And the only rock the lord almighty the first and the last let's talk about the last i can talk to you and you could talk to me about how powerful the devil is we know he is mighty he's a trickster and he's laid a lot of traps really good ones for people's souls in this world would you agree with me that the devil is powerful and dangerous probably round like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour what is he to god all it took in the midst of the devil's horrible tragedy bringing sin into our world and tempting adam and eve to fall all it took was god one look all you just had to say the words cursed are you bam and the devil was cursed from then on right? The devil was cursed because God said so, because God is the first and the last. And the devil can't worm his way out of his chains. He can't get out of the curse of God. Uh, Let me just cast a different spell. I'm going to go find somebody else who can cast, you know, a a fairy godmother that I must have, that can cast a different spell that will overrule the curse of God. No, that's just done. He's done because God is the first and the last, and God gave his word to deal with him. So it Satan's end is determined and finished. And so is any power thing in this world. Any person who thinks that being at the top is the key to life, is going to find that being at the top slips like sand through the fingers, and they're going to be at the bottom in hell, that end is determined. All pride and righteousness, self-righteousness, is going to fall apart. So is your sin you say i'm a sinner and i can't do this and god says i've done i've put an end to that i call and i speak an end i set you free in my son from the curse that you are under i give you a word that says forgiven i give you a word that says free and there's going to be an end where you shed that nasty skin of a sinful nature that you could not shed and you will live in perfect joy and delight. No more temptations for the rest of your life. There's going to come a day where that death that is going to claim your final breath will come. It's going to feel powerful and make you weak in that moment. But there is a God who says a word. Get up. A God who says a word. Come out. <laughs> and will say to you, You're mine. All things will have their end except the one who is the first and the last. His word endures forever. His love endures forever. My brothers and sisters, understand the approach you need to have to the things we can call weeds around us. Call them weeds. Do not run after them. Do not put your trust in the things of this world that are not God. They don't talk like Him and they don't do anything for you. They're weeds, they're idols, stone and wood. Give yourselves to the Lord. Enter the room of the rocker and listen to how He speaks that He would guide guide you on the path that leads to eternal life and he would give you fullness in your lord jesus christ the one who took your sins away that he would help you to bask in that which is an end that's that's how you live that's what life is sitting at his feet soaking up that victory in the word that endures forever amen